Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan, and today I'm sitting down with Seth Fishman, a literary agent and award-winning children's book author. Seth, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Thanks for being here. Hi, Evan. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm a literary agent at the Gurner Company. I'm actually a, run the LA office uh, for that. We are sort of a mid-sized agency. Most of publishing, as you know, is based in New York, but it's starting to spread, and we now have five people in LA. So that's pretty fun. Um, and I represent a wide range of clientele, everything from uh, literary fiction and and like Taya Albrecht's The Tiger's Wife or Liz Moore's Long Red River to um, kids books and picture books and middle grade. But the two things I do the most are are web comics, uh, rep a lot of a lot of web comics that you might know and love like XKCD or Strange Planet, Sarah Anderson's Sarah Scribble, or um, Hannah Hillam, Kate Beaton's Ducks just came out. A lot of really wonderful web comics, and then I rep a lot of SFF. Probably a lot more S than the I mean SF <laughs> than the <laughs> than the F when you actually sit back and you and you think about it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm lucky to be in that space. So um, I I work with a lot of great creators like Anne Leckie. Uh, Mary Robin Kowal, Shishin Liu, uh, P. Jelly Clark, River Solomon, Becky Chambers, and on and on. And I would be happy to to chat about it. Happy to be here. Um, so as a literary agent, uh, what is your role in the publishing industry specifically? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the role changes as sort of the role of the editor changes. But I personally think the literary agent is the most important person you'll connect with in publishing of course for self-published authors who don't want literary agents or publishers i can understand that being a little bit different but even still you probably want one for various reasons um but what we do is not only do we you know discover the writers most of the time um whether they're submitting to us or or, or recommended to us we also help them edit and then we'll submit them and we'll also try and retain rights and we'll send those books into foreign territories and try and create individual deals there and um we help negotiate the contracts we help set up film and tv we help sell short stories and original audiobooks and merchandise from time to time and any other you know from speaking gigs to whatnot so it's sort of a whole roundabout now different agents do different things it's up to their capacity and their interest um you know i represent a lot of artists so Sometimes when I work with a, an adult web comic and they want to do a kid's picture book, I'm equipped to be able to handle that in a very easy way. Um, or if a SF writer writes something that feels like it's actually not a tour book, but is a Knopf book and something that can, you know, cross over in a, in a, in a different way, then, then I, then I will be equipped to be able to do that. You, as an agent, you sort of decide what how much like i guess how hard you work for your client for your clients you need to find the right agent for you but uh but in general yeah we 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 do it all and i will say editors who are incredibly important and amazing and luckily in the sff space sort of stay in their publishing companies longer than other places a lot of them still you know you move to a different place and you move to a different place in order to get promotions i don't know if you know right now but harper collins um there's a strike going on right there and that is all about, you know, uh, compensation and, and publishing and, 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 and things along those lines. And it's tricky on the editorial side. So your editor tends to leave after a period of time or you leave that publisher and go to a different one and, and, and you'll be with your agent the whole time. So I, I truly think it's the most important 
um, thing. And Evan, you can see, I just talk and talk. So interrupt me whenever <laughs> about anything. <laughs> I can't help it. Oh, man, that's my day off today. I'm just hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Uh, wow. That is a ton of work. Is it overwhelming for you? I mean, that seems like a lot of balls to be juggling at, at, at one point. It's a good question. I, I personally think the agency job is the best job in the world when you have a roster that's strong enough to support your life, your life, I guess, because that takes a, a little bit to get there. But there, when then when you have a, a full list, like I have a full list, the juggling does get harder and it depends, but, but a lot of that depends on the season. I mean, it depends on if you wake up one day and six of your clients have surprised you with new manuscripts that's a, a good surprise, but also a, quite a complicated surprise. Everything from whose are you reading first to, um, you know, is, are these easy deals to make for that author or are you going to have to be moving that person or, or, you know, all these different things. So, and that's just the submission phase. So th there is, there's a lot, um, but a number of those things are things that you have done many times and you know how to do that stuff. So um, some of that's ease. And I think that's obviously with any job. So let's say you get a brand new manuscript, you wake up to an email, uh, you get some coffee, you sit down with it. What, what are some qualities in that first few pages that you're, that you're looking for? Like what's sticking out to you when you're reading that manuscript? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there's so many ways to answer this. Sure. I, um, like for instance, I don't really penalize uh, bad synopses. Uh, I think they're hard to write. <laughs> I, really I don't. Hard. Yeah, it's like not really your job. In fact, the editor will do the copy, you know, um, the, the copywriting for you. But um, and and also spelling, like we make mistakes and we have machines that fix them. However, if you and one one mistake in the first couple of pages is not is not a big deal. But if you have even more than one spelling mistake in the first few pages, that's just like a, for instance, a simple thing where where it just shows that you haven't been paying attention to the, you're, you're, you know, you're in some ways, it's sort of a lack of um, almost like professionalism to, to your own craft. And if it's there in the beginning, then that will probably not, will, will, well, that will continue throughout. We know, I know that now, because that if it's not in those most important pages, which everyone knows the beginning is the most important, then it's going to be problematic throughout. And, and I don't just mean spelling. This isn't me just saying Seth doesn't like spelling. It's more like things like that. But I will also say that when you do something long enough, you get an understanding about what it is you're looking for or what is feels right for you. Or I was explaining this to you, Evan, at another time was that, uh, there, you know, you just sort of know when someone has a skill and it makes you perk up to it. So, um, I mean, y'all are readers. And if you start reading books and you you can recognize sometimes you give it some time and that that book has already been vetted a lot so you know that it has some merit to it um but you 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 also know when you're really excited about something pretty quickly and i think that um i think that over time you sort of get a real understanding of what of what that feels like and i don't care if someone wakes i, I know people are like oh don't have things start with someone waking up in the morning i don't care about any of that stuff <laughs> if it's like if it's the best version of that a new version of that then that's fine that doesn't scare me. It, what, what, what scares me is, is is sort of sloppiness um, and and things that are, are boring, I guess. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of hard and fast rules, uh, you know, kind of like BuzzFeed article type rules about writing. 
Um, mm -hmm. And I think that some of them are fairly good guidelines, but at the same time, you don't want to internalize them too much and never do some stuff. You know, it's like if it feels right and you're throwing it in, it's like this new thing. You're putting a cool twist on it. Like, you know, trust your gut on that one, maybe, you know. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that you more. It, it just has to be good. It just has to work, right? And I think I've seen, and, and, and di different writers are totally different. Um, yeah. But what's so great about, should I say rookie writers? Um, sure. Writer, unpublished writers who are, who are in that magical phase where they're working really hard on a book. But if, you know, if you sell a book and then you need to write another one, you no longer have your six years to write it. You have to like get in there and get it done. And it becomes a different kind of pressure cooker. Um, but you're in the thoughtful phase, I would say. The, the, the phase where everything you, you know, you, you say really matters, like um, an epigraph, for instance, um, those are all helpful and fun to read. But no book needs an epigraph and, unless maybe, well, it's nice if they are written by someone, you know, who's a, a historian in that world or whatever that's fun but none of those actually still matter they're never clues they're just fun extras they don't they're not necessary so the the basically you're in the phase where you are thinking about the epigraph um and uh and and that's that's a wonderful place and um i i feel i feel like sometimes you can focus too much on those things it's almost like I wouldn't say the world build around your book, but sort of the the flourishes of your book and not the meat, um, which can be problematic, I think, from time to time. Um, but if the but if the flourish is an integral part of your world and you do it well, then and and no one's done it before. And someone might even say, don't do that, but you do it well. Then I'm very excited to see it. You know, does that make any sense? That felt like a weird metaphor. But to no, me, no, I like that a lot. <laughs> That's um, it's interesting that, um, you know, this this job where you do have to kind of like dig into what is making a book good. It's like you're you're extremely open-minded about what that actually could be though. That's really awesome. Well, I think, well, thanks for saying that, but you know, what's funny is any anytime you speak to an editor and you say, what are you looking for? Like we have these lunches, we meet them. Sometimes we're meeting our friends and we still ask that question, you know, what are you looking for? They will always hedge and be like, anything, you know, send me anything. I'm open for anything because they are. They recognize that anything could fall through. And then and then there's the but. So I, I'm I'm also I mean, I have the but I, I, I'm a weird agent because I rep a lot of different things. I think there's a lot of good stuff in a lot of different areas. But, you know, I'm not like I don't really do romance and I don't do memoir very much, for instance. I do I do some have some notable exceptions, but a lot of those are graphic oriented. Um, so, you know, I recognize some of those boundaries, I suppose. What's fun? What's, yeah, fun? what's fun? Yeah. That's what I'm looking for a lot of the time in books is like, is there a promise being made? Is there something that some character really wants, but something else that they really need? Is there yeah. some kind of promise that's being made to me in the first, like, what is this about? What is, what are we going for here? Like, that's kind of, if it takes 200 pages to get to like, why do I care about what's right. happening? Then, that's a mistake i mean awesome world building for sure but like right. what's where are we going well, you know Evan, that, I, I, that's really interesting so i you know i i follow you and i i mean you read so much but you are willing to say ah i didn't think this was so great it's not for me you're usually pretty kind on those things right and maybe yeah. there's there's bound to be things that you that you're like just you know quietly putting on the side because you don't want to be too <laughs> too harsh on right but um but still, you you actually love so much as well, and yeah. the but the enthusiasm doesn't feel fake. It just feels like you have an open ability to 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 love all those things. And I guess it did it. The, it's not it's not a cynical question of like, well, what do you like? It's sort of it's sort of like, well, what if you if you had to sort of 
sit down in a room and pick what type of thing that you, I'm not even talking about an author, but you, yeah. you go into the library and you get to pick what kind of book do you want? Like, what is your, what's your bag? What is the thing that you're, that you most want to be reading? Um, I mean, as I've been getting older, I've been really into more grounded kind of personal stories, um, like character studies, things like that. Yeah. Um, like a, I mean, a really good example that I always throw out is, um, like Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb. Sure. It's, just, it's one of my favorite books I've ever read. The world building is all there, but it's about this this person in this situation and how he's growing through that situation. And, um, you know, if I, uh, characters are everything to me. It's it's characters. It's characters every yeah. single time. Like that's what's going to ground me in this book. That's what's going to tie me to the conflict. That's what's going to tie me to these relationships. And I mean, the world building all around that and the setting and the high fantasy and all of that, that spectacle is why I read the fantasy, but I'm in it for how how this person is growing and, and coming to these revelations and um, how they're utilizing those revelations to forward the conflict and resolve that conflict. And if I don't get a feel for that, I'm, I can't, I just, I can't, yeah. you know, and, and some books do it really well and there's other things about it. Like I don't like, I don't like the presentation, you know, I don't like there, it really does come down to prose sometimes for me, even though I don't really talk about that very often on TikTok, but I, sometimes I just don't like the way somebody writes. Right. Like, it's, uh, but that's, that, that's the part of that. That's the part of my job or our jobs or anything is that, yeah. you know, you can still just not like things that are good. Right. That's, oh, yeah. you know, like, um, the Atlas six by Olivia Blake blew up. Everybody loved yeah. it for, I just, I don't, it was like, it introduced another character and I was just like, I feel like I'm I'm entering into this person's life almost in like a voyeuristic way and not mm -hmm. really in like a this is who this person is kind of yeah. way. And I'm I'm just kind of like observing and not really in it. Right. Um and I but the thing is is that so many people have s such different experiences with things that I can say that I don't really enjoy. Right. Um because of their own lived experience. That's true. That's right. So yeah, I mean so when I first started on TikTok, I was like, I'm just never going to say anything bad about a book ever. Right. And that did not last very long at all because I was like, right. oh, well, then no one's going to rely on me for anything because I just 100%. love everything. So, right. Um, but it is, see, you know, when we, if we're talking about like music or something, like if you were asking me, like, like, what do you think is like the best Radiohead album? Like, I'll go in and just tear that stuff apart. I'll, I'll right. tell you like why this sucks and why this is awesome. And like, or like movies or something like movies are worked on by like thousands of people. And it's like, right. I feel like there's a certain distance between me and that work. Um, but with authors, it's like, maybe, maybe I should stop doing this. I don't know, but I can't shake the, that intimacy. I can't shake the fact that this is a, like a person that did, I mean, admittedly there's editors and beta readers and things like that but they did like 98 percent of the work on this thing hunched over their keyboard at three in the morning right. pumping this thing out and this was a personal story for them and this was their they they poured themselves into this yeah and i i have to think about it like i yeah i think that's i think that's the right move though i mean you know and we i think about that sometimes when i just pass on a book right mm -hmm. that i think is no good Maybe it is no good, but it's like that person might have spent three years on it, right? Um, but I, I I agree with you, and you don't you don't need to. You can say you don't love. I just didn't love a book like mm -hmm. that, and that's, a, you know, the people who that's still an effect, you know. And I think that that can still be meaningful, and and you don't need to. Yeah, I think that you can be careful and and not dig in along those lines. Um, but I also 
I mean, I do that the same as, as an agent as well. I mean, we, I post things and I post the positive stuff. And the only time I'll ever talk about a negative thing for real was, would be if I think there's like something bad coming out of, right. you know, yeah. or someone's really yeah. missing something or, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting, interesting um, role to be put in as a reviewer, especially because there's so, there was no reviewer locations for such a long time. Um, and now it feels like, where do people go? They don't go to the Times. They well, and I have a time. minute, you know, before people are scrolling past to go look at something else. Um, right. And so that's, you know, you, you toss that in there. And like, I mean, what I try to do for the most part is try to suss out, okay, like, I know that this sounds really basic, but it's like, what worked for me and what didn't? Like, what, what was I thinking about this book when I wasn't reading it? Like, was I excited to get to it when I was done with other stuff that I was doing? Or what did it feel like work? Did it feel like the middle kind of like, dragged on and we were in one place for a little while and there were these like weird conversations going on that could have been cut or characters that could have been combined uh why am i in another point of view chapter with a character that feels just like the other one that i just read and then i can take that and kind of communicate that to my audience and say while the world building for this was fantastic and i really liked this character i felt like the ending kind of dragged and probably could have been wrapped up better or it started off slow it took me a little bit to get into it, but once I was into it, it flew by. Um, right. Those kinds of critiques, I feel like people can relate to those, and people right. can people can then take those judgments and then decide for themselves if they do like a slow burn or if they would rather read something that's better paced or if they right. don't want to read gas lamp fantasy and you know read about like some lost love that they have to cross an ocean for or something. They're sick of reading that kind of stuff. You know, they want to read about sword yeah. fighting and and it. Wait, wait, I have a TikTok. I have a, I know you hear this all the time, but I now have an idea for you that just came up, sure. which is something that I think would be helpful for even agents out there mm-hmm. is that um, you should do a, a, a post that, that gives a book as an example of each of the different categories uh, like specific fantasy and sci-fi categories, because I feel like hmm. well, you just said gas lamp, right? And then there's, you know, e- even second secondary world, like people, you know, when people are creating queries, they're often describing their books in a way. And what's funny is sometimes we agents don't even know what they're talking about. And sometimes they're getting it wrong. And sometimes what, you know, so I think that I, 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 when you said that, I was like, does everyone know what you're talking about when you say, you know, um, uh, flintlock fantasy, like right. probably that makes some sense. Um, but go read Django Wexler. He's amazing. But, um, uh, I've got his first one up here. Yeah. Have you read it? Have you uh, read it? Yeah. It's a uh, Ash. What is it called? Um, that it's one's called the shelf, the thousand names. Um, yeah. and that was his first one. And that's an example of a query letter that had too many words. It's not, not the query letter, but he, he, he was like querying a 270,000 word book or something. And I was like, I'm too busy for that. So I didn't even read it. I did it passed on it. And then it came back around to me. And when I read that first page, I was like, oh, this person's great. And I, mm, so I just wow. wish I would have gotten into that first page and he's amazing. And you should read all, everyone should read all that stuff. He's, he's fantastic. Yeah. I get questions quite, a, quite often about um, like different genre distinctions. And it's funny because there's no website you can go yeah. to that's like oh this, this is, is what it. i'm talking this about is... this is original content you could be i, know, right? <laughs> I don't but it's so it's everyone you know, it's... will search and look at your thing <laughs> oh my god you know it's tempting don't do it. don't do it's it. tempting to be the voice of authority but i don't want to be yeah. fair enough fair yeah because then once you are um you know you got nowhere to go but down well here's a big secret is that i um i don't pay attention or care about those things either i mean to me again it just falls into that like whatever Thing. I think editors have to care a lot more because they have to put it on a bookshelf in a particular place. And we care about stuff, obviously, but 
it's still if it's good it's you know it's good yeah i try to i try to mostly talk about how i feel when i'm reading something like what right. did it make me feel like and not not i mean i, I try to say what it what, what it's about yeah what it made me feel like not necessarily like okay so if you like this specific thing you'll like this specific thing and i right. feel like it's a little bit reductive sometimes to um like this happened to me a lot when i was like playing in bands and stuff people would be like oh you guys sound like the strokes and it's like well that's cool but like we also wrote all these songs you know it's like, right. like <laughs> it's nice right. that you but we're reminding you of this better band or that this book is reminding <laughs> you of this better book but um, you know, it's almost like kind of a, a weird backhanded way of saying uh, you you'll get there. You're almost as good as those guys. Right. Um, but uh, let me uh, let me ask you another one here. Uh, so obviously you're reading a ton of manuscripts and things like that. But do you uh, mm -hmm. what are you reading in your free time? Like, is there anything this year that kind of stood out to you that maybe you're not representing or anything like that? Yeah, that, I mean that's a great question. I uh, I do try and read for fun because I think it's really important. Um, but it's really hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I'm currently um, reading the Fonda Lee series. Um, I'm on book two right now, and I did it because on I was on the Writing Excuses cruise, and Dan Wells, who's amazing. Um, did a RPG game built, built into that world. And everyone was like, you play it, but you have no idea what's going on with it, but you just come play. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta read this series afterwards. Yeah. And I haven't felt that like um, excitement to go get a book in a while. Yeah. Um, and crushed it. yeah, so good. And there's so, I mean, there, there's so much good there, but one of the things that was great about that is that, like you said, you have the characters, you have the stakes, you have a world that's, unfamiliar and familiar at the same time but you also have something that feels somehow incredibly unique there's oh, yeah. just so much to it that was it was so good um and i and i'm I'm, I'm reading oh i got it right here i mean here's book two it's right uh, i don't know if people are looking at this but i just picked up book two um and then uh i'm reading a lot of picture books for my kids uh uh when i'm in bed with them and uh, i swear i've read more than two books this year but i <laughs> I'm fully blanking on what those are that are outside of my world. I know um, I did want to, so as a, as an agent, sometimes you, you, a lot of times you buy books, right. But sometimes you ask your editor to an editor to send a book over. And um, I asked uh, for Nona the ninth to, to land and I would have read that for sure, but Carl didn't send it. So uh, yeah, but that's, <laughs> you know, Gideon is a, is a good example of how um, that book I started twice and I couldn't get into but the the tidal wave of, of interest was so strong and I knew the writing was, I knew that the writing was strong. I just was disoriented. And once I was able to sort of settle, I just thought it was as original as anything that I've read and also a pretty amazing and unique and bold publishing plan to really just trust in the writing and aim for a very specific group of readers right. and hope that they could evangelize for it. And they did. Yeah, so that's not a great answer for you for for that's new fine. things. I feel like there are new things I've read. <laughs> uh, you you recommended to me um, at one point. Uh, oh yeah, the, the Black Tongue Thief. Yes, Christopher Buellman. Well, I read that. So I read that because of your recommendation of the or someone's recommendation. I, I saw that, or at least one of his future books, and so I wanted to get back and get that. And that was really fun because it was just a really creative world build around it um i thought that it you know i i thought that it measured a, like le leveled a little bit um and mm -hmm. once he he like had to leave the bigger like um leave the small world for the bigger world which was still really fun but i just it's sometimes you realize that the, the small room was really perfect for the writing that he was messing oh, around man. with um and then i also read um west Chu's uh, the art of prophecy 
And Wes is a friend of mine. Um, I went to his book launch event and, you know, you go to those events that are your friends and you, you get a book and you're supposed to do that. And it doesn't mean that they're good or bad or whatever. It's just like, that's part of the process, but you sort of wonder, okay, I bought this book. Am I going to read it? And uh, I was very delighted about how great it was and how it felt different um, as well. And I guess you can hear that that's what I'm looking for a little bit is different in the literary space the amount of the boring same is so prevalent. It's just exhausting. Oh, and that's why, that's one of the reasons why SFF is so fun. Cause even, fa- I mean, fantasy, you know, is in this great Renaissance where, what, Renaissance, is that the right word for this? I would call it, Whatever. I would call it a second golden age right now, personally. Exactly. Cause what they're doing, because people finally realize it doesn't have to be like this old, you know, European thing. Um, and, and, and suddenly, it's like blending SFF. I mean, it's, so I keep saying that it's blending the science fiction into it as well. And technologies is, is, is going really well, but also different locations and different ways around. It's just so, so different and so fun. And also it doesn't have to be super long anymore. There obviously we love our epic fantasies, but now we're more comfortable playing around in like the one-offs. Um, novellas are having a golden age. I've read some yeah. a decent number of novellas. Um, and sometimes they're like candy, like Martha Wells stuff to me is like audiobook candy. Um, oh, Here's something though I read. I just, I, well, I did take them on. Ugh, I took them on. Shoot. But I took them on and read them this year. I was really excited. <laughs> Is that you should, all y'all should listen. Well, you should read it too, but you should listen to the audio book of um, Dungeon Crawler Carl, which is um, Matt oh, Dinneman's. It's yeah. lit RPG. And um, it's beyond just fantasy or, or it, it moves into this huge world build. The world build is so big. There's five books out. The fifth book um, ended up hitting the audio, uh, the audible uh, bestseller list when it came out. So it's doing really, really well. But I, I mean, I, the the narrator Jeff Hayes of Soundbooth does 350 voices. The books are so good. The audio is so good. It's like the it's the best you'll find. And if so, if you want a like a good big book, good author doing really well, writing stuff that feels one way but is like secretly another way, uh, it's so good. And I couldn't couldn't recommend that more. So there you go. There's some recommendations. <laughs> Look, I, I dug it out. Oh, I pulled it out of my head. <laughs> you, you got it. What steps would you recommend an author take? before querying to an agent? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, obviously there's no hard and fast rules, but you should get the book as final as it should be before you start querying. Recognizing that the agent's going to edit it, the editor will edit it, the copy editor will edit it. There's still editing to be done. But I would give it to someone you trust that's not a parent um, or significant other and have them read it. Um, So that means if you can get to a right, you know, find a writer's group and the communities are very around. I mean, right now it's NaNoWriMo. So there's like lots of places who want to do stuff. In fact, I'm openly in a short story group uh, that I would be reading your stuff. Like, I mean, I don't know why there's only six people in it. This is, you know, like you're missing like the chance. I will be reading that. (laughs) So everyone's short stories to get comments on them and we'll be submitting mine too. Um, and so, um, but I think that you find a community along those lines and you should take the time to do your, your, your research, um, on agenting. I mean, on querying, um, you can, look up on YouTube, my name, and you'll find an hour long thing about how to write a query letter. Um, but there are, there are rules and things to ignore and things to follow. And, um, you know, it's a bit of a game, but it's a, it's a, it's one that you should at least know the rules when you decide to break them. And I, I think that, uh, you should, yeah, that's what you should do. The other good thing about the SFF community is that there are lots of, you don't have to be in person if you're worried about COVID or whatnot, but there's a lots of sort of communal things, um, whether that's cons. I mean, the, the, 
the nebulas you can go to and they are with all the people and there are panels and so on and so forth. We're like the National Book Awards, which happened yesterday. You cannot go to that if you are a plebeian, you know, you can't. So it's like the, the, the differences are very, it's very open. And also people ask about MFA programs and stuff like that. Like MFA programs are often, um, you know, a melting pot of, of that create the same fiction over and over. Yes. I went to one and I rep people from that space, but I think a lot of similarity comes out of it, but in the SFF world, you have things like a, a Clarion, which is great. And you should, it's 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 like, yeah, it costs some money, but not nearly as much money as MFA. It's not nearly as long. The off, the, the, the right, the teachers are usually better and bigger. And so I would recommend those kind of things too. So, um, and, you know, write your short stories, you know, all that stuff is good. All that stuff is helpful. So there's a lot to say, as you can say, I, I could just go on forever about that, but yeah. No, I knew it was a loaded question when I <laughs> you did when it. I it. I'm actually, so just so you know, y'all, he sent over some questions to so take a look at it. Uh, and I'm looking at him like, oh, this is hours of talk here. Know, uh, so he's right? going to have yeah. to pick what he's going to choose. I know you, uh, you have to pick up, uh, pick up your kids soon. Um, and yeah, we're going to wrap this up that. in a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah, yeah, I wish we could talk for hours. That'd be really cool. But uh, I'm gonna ask you another question here. And I know that this is a this is a lot. This is a lot. And I think that um, we'll probably wrap after this because we could we could both go on about this for a really long time. But I'm gonna kind of combine these last two questions I have. But first off, like, what do you think? What direction do you think the publishing industry is going in? What do you think it's going to look like in maybe five to 10 years time? Um, and does social media play a role in that and if it does how how big of one yeah yeah i mean that's that's what we're trying to figure out so one of the problems with publishing is it's facing a reckoning right now for a lot of reasons um but it is a really old school type of industry and some of the stuff that is associated with old school is good um like for instance if we make a deal with a publisher you don't authors might not get their contract for a month maybe six weeks because it takes time to generate it and negotiate it and all that's good faith there's that's not a problem um that's a normal thing any any deal you takes a little bit to look at your contract and you should be doing that um but in that time you're still dealing with a, an editor you're starting to write you don't just wait for that contract to sign you can but you don't but that's an example it's sort of handshake moving forward we know it's going to work out and it does it always works out um so some of those things um, are good, but a lot of things are bad. And you can tell again by the strike, um, which I support. And what's interesting is that, I mean, you know, that's, that's HarperCollins is unionized there. Like I'm sure all the other publishing houses have the same issues. So, um, you know, the salaries are very low and all this stuff. So there's going to be a big, at some point in time, there's going to be a reckoning in terms of who's are the gatekeepers who are working there. And then that will expand positively. What kind of books come out of it? Problematically, is that the industry is very is that the the the, the publishing industry is really small in terms of the players. Um, as you know, like Penguin Random House and, uh, was not allowed to to grab Simon and Schuster, um, but it's still you know HarperCollins did get HMH and you know and rip that right up immediately and and that's gone and and that was one of the major players we'd submit to um just like a year and a half ago and no one has any idea that that happened and you know so and when you think about science fiction and fantasy okay so if i sent out a literary book i could send it to like 25 people in the first round if i sent out a science fiction and fantasy in the first round we're talking five to seven editors wow that's it i mean wow. it's a crazy small game and it's really really problematic along those lines um i do think that in the 
the publishing industry in the future then is having this shift that's going to be about direct consumer. Um, some of it's going to leave the publishing industry in the dust. Like people, you know, we, there's been people self-publishing for a while, but like finally there'll be some bigger players doing that. And it's really the question of the publishers and, and people like me, it's what I'm grappling with right now is to whether it's worth hybridizing and having like, or having them siloed. Are, are, are you interacting with your fans directly and having a side publishing thing, or can you bring them together? And I, I believe you can bring them together. Um, and you should, and that's sort of some of the stuff I'm working on. Um, but I do think publishing it's, yeah, it's, it's very dangerous along those lines. And when some of the old guard authors disappear, or you think about someone like Colleen Hoover, like she, she doesn't need a traditional publisher. She better be on a, um, a, uh, a profit share deal with them by now, or, you know, it's like, it could be a whole different thing. And, and, and they know that that power exists. The, one, the thing that's weird about publishing is that it's very ego driven. It's very prestige driven. A lot of the people who come over to, to do that, they want, they just want a book, right? They want at least one book in that space. Um, at the same time, they do offer, they offer distribution. They offer sort of the ability for sort of traditional press to go at things. But like, so I, I represent the, uh, um, speaking of something I often have problems pronouncing, the big YouTube channel, Curtis Cascot. Um, it's, oh, wow. uh, yeah. they, the, the creator, Philip Detmer, had a book called Immune, did it very, very well. And had the number of pre-orders were insane, but those pre-orders came mostly because of the videos that they created and put up on their channel. Right. And they don't need a publisher for that. And in fact, the publisher did do stuff, but didn't do all the stuff we hoped for. And that was that's a common refrain for people who are platformed. Um, and I represent plenty of those. So it's like, you know, what is the publisher's worth if the margins on those books are so small? And I think that that's something that's going to shift and that's problematic for those publishers unless they can figure out how to do things. And that all dovetails into social media because who's creating the content and where are they creating those con that content? But one of the problems with writing is that you can't put that on TikTok, right? You can do um, picture books there, but you can't do long form books. You can do some readings, but people won't follow it all the way through. So there is still something unique to that, which I don't think is going to be quote unquote salvaging everything. If you were a writer and you came to me and you said, do I need to be on social media? If I'm honest, I still say no, you don't have to. But I will also say, obviously, if you have a big platform, it will be better and easier for you to sell books. Um, and in the nonfiction space, you, you, you having a platform really matters. You could be, you could create the best cookbook in the world, but if no one knows who you are, no one's going to buy, no publisher is going to buy it unless you have followers. So um, there, you know, the trickiness is all there, this give and take, but it's, you know, it, it would be sort of insane to think that social media doesn't continue to play this huge role in defining. I just think that it's really about do people silo into their fan base and, and do, or do they not? And I think that's probably the biggest thing in my mind. Oh, and the other thing, another, another example of the problem is like printers, like there's like only three printers and Penguin Random House oh, controls one of them. And so until someone builds another one, and I don't know if people are going to go around building printing presses right now, you know, that's another huge secondary problem. So even though that sounds like doom and gloom, if you give me a good book and we'll sell it and we'll do creative things with it, it's some things are harder and some things are, are easier. There's some publishers who are doing well, some are not, but that's always been the case. You can have a great book with a good editor and a good publicity team who like flop on the next one. Like this stuff happens. Um, and one of the great things about say TikTok is that you guys have like created buzz around books that have been dead. Speaking of Colleen Hoover, like right, created yeah. a juggernaut, but also like I rep, I don't have 
people who have benefited on that crazy way, but like Sarah Anderson, who's quite successful on her own, but her book Fangs, which is fantastic, has gotten a second, like a, well, it was not dead. It wasn't a second life phase. It was doing fine, but is now doing backlisting like incredibly well. And uh, because of that, and, and, and I love that we haven't figured out the answer to those things. Like as publishers, that means it's really organic. It's real. I've been on TikTok and do a couple things. And what do people want? They want me to talk about being an agent as a book writer. No one cares about it. So <laughs> that's the tricky thing. You know, you can't, yeah. there's still some of those things. Um, and those boundaries and borders are, are there. Um, that was a long answer. As you can see, I was just trying to touch as many things as I could while I <laughs> still was here. That was a fantastic uh, yeah. answer. I mean, it sounds like we, you know, we are in a trans transitory phase. Uh, and I feel, I think a lot of people can feel it, but I think that with these kinds of transitions, you see a lot of growth. You see a lot of, like you said, like a reckoning, like um, good things usually end up coming out of these through, you know, some some mistakes being made or some yeah. bad calls being made or some uh, bad trends, you know, and bad mm -hmm. practices and things like that. Or maybe not even bad, but just um, things that aren't working for the landscape anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think that people are, that are able to adapt to it, just like with anything else, are going to thrive. 100%, 100%. And the, the, the other thing that's going on right now along those lines is really just like, is the appropriate and correct shift in terms of content and creators of the books in terms of diversity and, and subject matter and whatnot, which has been long overdue, is that a, a bubble? Like, is that going to mm. pop? And the answer is yes, in some ways, sadly. Now, hopefully it's going to keep going, but I've already had editors who are either like overwhelmed with getting the same type of thing and can't like do that any you know just themselves like mentally for a little bit or you have been hearing some that like oh well we sort of have sort of have a little bit of this like you know um and 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 i think that that's awful now my, there are also say like you know there's a creation of a middle grade imprint over at disney um just announced today or yesterday um that that hops into that space and and I, so I think that there's still growth to be had there, but right now that's, that, that's a ripple and that's not fixed. Like things are not like, okay yet. So those are some of the battles that we face and, and, you know, everyone here is reading is, and your acceptance and interest in those things are really what matters. And the fact that, you know, your, like your success, for instance, is something that couldn't have happened maybe even two years ago. Right. And that's incredible. And that's great. And you actually have power in your hands to help and make, make and break things. Um, I don't know. Well, I don't think you're going to try and break things, but to, to make things and that's, <laughs> we'll see. that's great. You know, that's really, you know, that that's really great. So I think there's, you know, some interesting time ahead. Oh, wow. I, uh, I really appreciate that answer. I'm glad we got to dig into that a little bit. And, uh, you, you certainly have your finger on that particular pulse. Uh, Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this interview. We had we had to do a little bit of a short one just because of scheduling, but wow, Seth, I really really happy that you were able to come on. And um, you know, I've had authors on here, I've had content creators, but getting some people that are in the industry, you know, kind of behind the scenes and uh, watching everything in the wings in the way that you do. I mean, you have a huge impact on the way things are laid out and the way that we read. And um, it's really nice talking to you. Well, thanks for having me, and thanks to everyone for listening. And I'm you know more than happy to come back on uh, so love to have you absolutely looking forward to it uh, everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode hope you all have an excellent rest of your day and of course happy reading Seth thank you so much for being here bye